0: Session with Doctor Fadid Polakwi.
1: Good afternoon and welcome to In Session with Dr. Fadi Talaqui. I'm your host, Dr. Fadi Tolakwi, and I'll be with you for the next two hours here on Radio Hamra. Studio number to call in, 310-441-0555. I'm a licensed clinical psychologist, so you can call in with any questions related to clinical psychology, including any emotional or psychological issues, parenting issues, and relationship issues as well. You can also follow me on Twitter or Instagram or like my page on Facebook to get updates on the show or suggest topics or books for the program. And the shows are uploaded at the end of each week to my SoundCloud page and free podcast on iTunes. Again, the studio number three one zero four four one zero five five five. Before I begin, I wanted to make a couple announcements. The first one is that um, I'm going to do my next seminar on May 20th, that's Sunday, May 20th from 1 to 4 p.m. at the Olympic Collection. And the topic is communication for parenting and relationships. Tickets are $40 at the door. And so it's going to focus on communication in general, but specifically looking at parenting and how parents can be better at communicating with their kids and also how we can be better at communicating in our romantic relationships or all of our relationships Um, And so I'm really looking forward to that talk. It'll basically be spit into those two segments. Uh, Again, that's May 20th, Sunday, 1 to 4 p.m., and the seminar will be all in English. Hope to see you there. Um, And then also wanted to announce the book of the week again for this week. It is I Hate You, Don't Leave Me, Gerald J. Kreisman and Hal Strauss. I Hate You, Don't Leave Me, Understanding the Borderline Personality. So that's the book of the week for this week that I'll be talking about on Monday's show. I wanted to start off today talking about screen time, something that lots of parents uh, wonder about, stress about, and try to understand how to more effectively limit. The screen time their children use, or even wonder if they should limit their screen time. And uh, recently came across an article by Alan Kasdan, who is a professor of psychology and child psychiatry at Yale University, and he wrote an article that's in Time magazine, or at least the online Time magazine, called How to Manage Parental Control Over Your Child's Screen Time. And so uh, it, it's a good article. I highly recommend parents to read it. And of course, limiting screen time isn't just for parents. It's for all of us uh, because we know that looking at our phones, looking at iPads, looking at TVs, looking at computers has become a big part of our lives and sometimes too big of a part of our lives where we are missing out on many things. And also we're using phones and screens to distract ourselves from more important things from things we need to do, that we procrastinate, but also even from our own emotions and feelings. Um, I talked with Dr. Uh, David Levy, author of Mindful Tech, and that was the book of the week um, a couple months ago, which is a great look and a, a book to look at how we can limit and be more mindful of the way we use our technology. So limiting screen time is not just something we should think about for our kids. It's something we need to think about for ourselves as well. And even in this article, Dr. Kasdan mentions modeling behavior, and that would be one behavior to model. So if you're telling your kids not to be on their phones a lot, don't use their phones so much, don't look at screens, but then you're on screens all the time, of course you're not setting a good example, and it's really hard to tell them not to do something that you yourself are doing. So first and foremost, we as parents have to be aware that we have to limit our own screen time, that most of us are probably on our screens too much. Now, another issue or mindset that I think is important for parents to be aware of before I get into maybe more of these details in the article is this idea that many parents have that they need to have their kids constantly occupied and doing something. And very often that doing something is even just holding an iPad or watching something. And this is not true. Kids actually benefit from sometimes having some downtime, sometimes where they actually have to figure out what to do on their own, or even being bored sometimes is not a bad thing. But I see it less and less. Even since when I was a kid, I remember sometimes me and my cousins, we We have to try to figure out what we wanted to do ourselves. Our parents wouldn't come and organize every activity we were going to do and structure it for the whole day. They would just let us figure it out. And it actually led to lots of creativity in how we would play and uh, thinking about what we can do and figuring it out for ourselves what we wanted to do. And I think that was actually very good. But less and less we see that. And one of the ways parents try to occupy their kids' time is by giving them a screen and you can go to the Grove or any mall and you'll see kids in strollers who are maybe one, one and a half, and they're all holding iPads or a phone and looking at something while their parents are pushing them along. And I think this is a really bad thing. So one thing when it comes to screen time is that we wanna limit it from the beginning. It's one of those things that's hard to scale back once you start, kinda like junk food if you start taking your kids to fast food for every meal and then later on try to give them healthier foods, they're not going to want those foods anymore. But if you only introduce healthy foods, they're going to crave those good things. And so screen time could be seen the same way. Once you give them that type of stimulation, uh, especially sometimes there's lots of movements and colors that actually could even be bad for the kids visually and the developing brain, um, it's going to be hard then to do things that are more calm and relaxed and slow-paced, or things that aren't so fast-moving. So as parents, limiting the introduction and how much your kids use screen time should be looked at as a good thing. And you might look at other parents and say, oh, they bought their kid an iPad, and we sometimes have this feeling that if we're buying our kids something, somehow it's showing them love, or if we buy them something more expensive, that's a form of love. But that's not the case. Just because something costs a lot doesn't mean You're giving your kids something meaningful or important. Sometimes it could even be harmful. So just because it seems that everyone else is giving their kids an iPad at one, one and a half, doesn't mean you have to do that. We want to limit that screen time and even the introduction of the screen time. But in this article, Dr. Kasdan, um, one of the topics or one of the segments is about limiting screen time. And as he says, the authoritarian approaches and arguments to control screen time are likely to lead to backlash. And so often parents think, well, I'm going to just tell my kid one hour is enough and that's it because I said so. And we think this is going to work. And as is true with almost any issue you're dealing with, your kids trying to make it a power struggle is likely not going to work. Especially with things like technology, where there's a good chance your kids are going to be better at using it and understanding it than you are. And he actually mentions how uh, most parents underestimated how much their kids were online and how much they were doing. Um, with digital media. Almost, I think it was double what the parents thought. So you might think you're controlling your kids, but your kids are going to find ways to outsmart you and figure it out. And the same is true of parental controls. So if you think, well, I've put these parental controls on my child's iPad or whatever it is they use to access the internet, they're finding that the kids usually find a way around them. So don't think just because you have that, all is safe and well and you don't have to monitor your child's internet activity at all. We know that kids, again, they're often going to be one step ahead of you. So if you think you're limiting it and you think you're controlling it, they're probably going to find a way to get around it. So what you want to do is talk to your kids about how much they use iPads or they're online or whatever it is that they're doing have a conversation and you also want to make sure it's not in the heat of the moment unfortunately that's what a lot of parents do they don't talk about an issue and then when it is an issue they have a fight about it and then try to set rules right then and there you know it's like oh you know what no more internet during the week at all because you get frustrated in the moment And then you realize, okay, my kid actually uses the internet to do their homework. They have to actually turn in their homework online. It's not even something you can uh, enforce. And you make an empty threat that's actually worse than saying nothing at all. So we need to have these conversations before the heat of the battle or when things are going on. When you're both calm, when the parents are in a good place, the kids are in a good place, let's talk about this. And make it a conversation, almost like negotiations in a way, rather than you telling them this is the way it's going to be. So we want to make it a back and forth, what do you think is reasonable, what do you think is okay, and figure out a way to make these restrictions or these limits, and we need to have the limits and kids need the limits, it's okay, um, but figure out a way to do that. Uh, the article also talks about, as I was mentioning before, assume your child is skilled at getting around any content blocking, and this is very important because I've worked with families where young kids can go online and they see things they definitely should not be seeing. And we want to be aware of that. This is a big problem. Um, I've seen kids, they've seen some scary things and now they have a fear of something, fear of the dark, because they saw some scary videos on YouTube that were maybe not even so bad, but for a young child, six, seven-year-old, very scary. And now they're afraid of the dark. So we have to be aware that there are things that they can see on there that they definitely should not. And we want to protect them. So he also mentioned spending some time together online or on the computer with your child, exploring things together, seeing what they do, working on a joint project together with them so you can get a better understanding of how they use the computer and what they're doing and that you monitor it to some degree. And related to that monitoring, you if you've listened to me before, you know that I'm not someone who thinks parents should be in their kids' business and I'm um, very much about giving your children, especially your teens, space. But because of the potential risks online, we have to monitor what our children are doing. If they're going on websites where they can interact with strangers, let them know beforehand, especially when they're young children, that I want to come look at who you're talking to or who you communicate with. Just to make sure, because when there are strangers, we don't know who these people are. And mom or your daddy, we have to just check to make sure who who you're talking to or what's going on. Because sometimes people use these sites to look for children and to find people to uh, get personal information about or get pictures from or even worse. And I'm not trying to scare you or make you scare your children, which is not what I hope you do, but that there are real risks out there you're in the cyber world, you can really communicate with anyone and everyone. And some people won't have good intentions and have really, really bad intentions. And so we have to make sure that we're not just assuming everything is okay or thinking, well, they're safe, whatever they're doing. And we can in this way, invade some of their privacy, but in order to protect them, that we won't just let you interact with whoever you want online. We're going to be involved with you. Um, so. We have to be mindful of how we let our kids use technology, and we have to make sure it's a conversation we're having. And it's not that technology is all a bad thing. Of course not, because for your child to be successful at school and in today's world, they have to be good at using the computer and being online and all of those types of things. It's part of essentially every job and just everyday life. So it's, again, not one of these good or bad things where we're saying is technology good or bad. Definitely has some very wonderful qualities to it and things that it can have, but also some things that can be negative. And we want to try to minimize those negatives of what our kids get exposed to, but also how much they can get hooked on being on screens, which can start from a very young age and recognize we can minimize those negatives. But these are conversations we need to have with our kids. And if you yourself don't understand technology very well, it'll be good for you to understand the internet and computers and how they work just because your kids are going to be using these things and you have to have some level of awareness of what's going on. So it's important for us to monitor and limit our kids' screen time, and it's never too young to start. And again, the the later you start and the more you delay them getting into it, the better off you're going to be. So that was an article um, in Time magazine by Dr. Alan Kazin, How to Manage Parental Control Over Your Child's Screen Time, which you can find online. All right, going into our first commercial break studio number three one zero four four one zero five 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 we'll be right back studio number three one zero four four one zero five 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 let's go to a caller radio Hamra, you're on the air uh
2: hi doctor
1: hello how
3: are
1: you? i'm good how are you
3: uh, sorry i'm on the location the internet is not so good
1: <laughs> okay i hope you me? yeah we're, it's not so bad a little bit uh of an echo in the background but it's not bad yeah go ahead oh sorry that's okay
3: doctor uh i am married and I notice my husband is addicted to the his phone. Okay. He doesn't leave his phone alone. You know, he's constantly has it in his pocket. And when he goes to work, I check it on. And I sometimes see he's on Facebook, and it bothers him. Mm-hmm. So he really doesn't do, do. He doesn't want to do anything with me at all. And then on Saturday, Sunday, I ask him, let's go do this, let's go do that. And he's not interested. He tells me, no, I'm tired. How about if you go alone? So this weekend, I asked him, is there anyone really in your life that you're different? You know, you don't want to do anything. And he told me, yes, I met someone online since 2015, and she's just my friend. And we talk about uh, different things about the astronomy and all that. So then he told me, I told her that you know this is not gonna work, and I'm not gonna talk to you anymore. And because uh, because he's from different country, and he traveled to his country in one year twice. And it was very strange for me that he never wanted to go. And what happened that he wants to go in one year, three months apart. So I asked him, why did you do that? Oh, I was going to go because I wanted to have my, uh, see my friends. And I said, why can't you have any friends here? Because he doesn't have no friends, No, no one.
1: Now you said the friend was a male or a female? Female, okay. And he and went he went to visit her?
3: I asked him mm-hmm. why did you go and he said, Well I was gonna see my friends on Facebook and then he sent me a picture of what he went to to different occasions they he had his friends and it's all ladies, like six, seven ladies and I guess one of them is the one he continuously Send messages on Facebook and Messenger, and it bothers me. So sure. when, I asked, when I asked him, he said, yeah, it didn't work. I said, do you love her? And he said, uh, no. He kind of stopped and, oh, no, I don't love her, but I think she loves me. So he went let me, one day.
1: Let me stop you for a second just so I know. How, how long have you guys been married?
3: been married
1: for six years six years okay and how old are you and how old is he well i am 55 and
3: he is
1: sixty. 60. okay all right um yeah I, I could understand that you're not okay with this relationship it seems like he's and especially that you say he's spending more time on there than he is with you something is is going on something's not okay in your marriage and something's not okay about this relationship he's having with this woman. So when you told him you're not okay with this relationship, what's his response?
3: He told me that you're going uh, crazy because obviously you need to see a doctor. This is normal. Everybody can have a friend on Facebook. I said, but it's been three years now, and you went to see them in one year twice. That is not normal, you know? Mm And then he told, I, I, I asked him, what would happen to you if, I, if you would see, like, then I saw lots of texts, I saw pictures, and he tells me, no, there is nothing wrong with us. We are just friends, nothing between us. And I said, so the minute you walked into your country, the only person you talked to is that lady. And you spoke to her for 16 minutes that I just arrived. So what kind of friendship is that, that you have to talk to one person, different occasions for 15, 16, 20 minutes. So what do you talk about if she's only a friend? And he tells me, oh, you are really losing your mind. You better go see a psychologist.
1: Well, okay. So there's obviously a lot going on here. So having friendships is normal and not just normal needed. But the friendships should not be in a way that the other partner is not okay with them or the way that you're describing it. So, on one hand, he's making a point that is true that friendships are okay and necessary, but then he's taking it to an extreme that's not okay. It's like saying, you know, um, exercise is good, but then you, you, move to another state so you can work out more because the gym there is better and never see your kids. You know, you can't just go to an extreme and say, because exercise is good, you can do whatever you want. So if you're not okay with the relationship, and this is true in any marriage, the partners should both be okay with the relationships their, their husbands and wives have. And they can talk about them. And it doesn't mean we dictate who our partners can be with, but it's something we talk about. And if you're saying you're not okay with his relationship, which I understand, it seems like he's talking to her a lot, and he's not talking to you very much, and he's going to visit her, those are all not okay things. Now, he said, I want you to come with me to see my friend, that would be a different thing. Or if he included you in their friendship, that would be very different than what he's doing, especially because it's a woman. So you not being okay with it, to me, doesn't sound like you're crazy or losing your mind based on what you told me. It seems like he's not at all listening or caring about what you think or what you feel. And also, this also brings up another issue of emotional affairs or online affairs, because very often people think if we say the word affair, there has to be a sexual relationship. And without a sexual relationship, there can be no infidelity or no affair. And that's not at all true. We're seeing a lot more of these emotional affairs and these online affairs with the advent of things like Facebook and social media and the internet where people are creating relationships with people online. Sometimes they never even see each other. In your case, your husband has seen this person, but even they can go on for years. And really they create these fantasy relationships because although they think they know each other so well, which is something they tend to say because they feel like they're opening up so much, they really don't because they never see each other and never actually interact face-to-face and have a real relationship to see what happens when they actually see each other. So for him to say, because it's on Facebook, It's okay. No, it can be okay, but just because it's on Facebook doesn't mean automatically there can't be anything improper about their relationship. Uh, Have you ever brought up to him seeing a therapist together?
3: Well, he doesn't believe I'm normal. He thinks I'm crazy because, you know, I saw texts that she she called him at work and she sent him a messenger that oh. Uh, Hi, how are you? And he said, I just arrived at work. I call you later. And when I tell him I saw all this, he just tells me you're crazy. And he even told my sister, your sister needs help. You better go help her because she's going crazy. And I said to him, what would happen if you would see all these texts, all these phone calls, and I travel to another country to see someone? What would you think? Oh, nothing because I trust you. I said, you are what are you saying? Uh, if I talk to some men for two years and a half and I don't show any affection to you, so is that normal? And he said, yeah, it's I trust you
1: well the 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 last part of what you said is also very important. He said, no affection. And how are things in in the marriage? It seems like you guys are not very close the way you're describing it, but tell me about the marriage. How do you feel? Do you feel close to him? Do you feel connected to him? How are things with the marriage?
3: Well, doctor, he's not affectionate at all. Mm -hmm. And, you know, at home, five days a week he works, on Saturday, Sunday. I have to do everything alone. He doesn't want to be a part of it. And when I tell him, honey, why don't you let's do something? Let's go here, there. Oh no, I'm tired, honey. Uh, I want to go rest. Then he comes to the bedroom, he closes the door, and he pretends that he wants to rest. Then sometimes I need the stuff, I have to come to the bedroom, and I think like he's asleep. I come very slowly so I don't wake him up. Then I see his, uh, he has his phone, and he's chatting, and he's smiling like, you know, like sending some funny stuff. and... Then I say, you told me you're tired. So why can't you come up if you want to talk to someone? Just come out and be with me because I'm, you know, I'm alone, and this is the only day I can see you. Oh no, it's okay. I just chill out here. Hmm.
1: Yeah. Um, so it seems like there's not a lot there. Even I was gonna. I was thinking, what keeps you in this marriage?
3: Yeah, that's a good question, Doctor. When you are. Remarried that uh, cultural thing that, oh my god, what's gonna happen if they find out this one is bad too? Then, you know, it's just. But lately I'm thinking, you know, nothing is stopping me, but I just wanted to know. I was thinking maybe I'm making a stage. Maybe this is normal for men to do that online.
2: Well, because he tells
3: me everybody has a friend. And I said, how come I don't have a male friend? I don't have even one male friend. I, the only people that I, uh, I have, it's my family, and I don't even contact them.
1: Well, that, that part is, is not good that you don't contact your family, you don't have relationships with them. But to go back to what you're saying, first of all, you brought up you don't want to be, I guess, divorced twice um, because somehow you think people will judge you for that. Is that what you meant?
3: Yes, but okay. also I do have a connection with my family. Okay, so no, that's I'm fine. Sorry. I was just saying
1: you said you don't talk to them much, but going no, no, back. no, I
3: do talk okay, to them. Okay, that. Say, yes, on WhatsApp.
1: Okay, that's fine. Not... Okay, good. But you, I'm not. That's not necessarily a good thing that you're limiting your connection with them. But going back to what you're saying, you know, I'm glad you're being honest with me and honest with yourself. That part of what keeps you in this marriage is you don't want to be divorced twice and what people will say. But I'm also glad you're saying it out loud, so I hope you hear it, that because of the judgments that other people are going to have of you, you're willing to stay in something that you possibly don't want to stay in. And so you're allowing other people's judgments to make a decision for you. And also, of course, it means that at some level you would judge yourself, and that's something for you to think about and look at too. But it's, it's really a bad idea to allow other people's judgments, what they might think, to affect what will maybe make you happy or unhappy and let that make your decision for you. You're not the first person that I've talked to either on the air or just in general who has said they're staying in a marriage because of that stigma of divorce or people saying, oh, well, especially the second time, see, now we know she's the problem because she's getting divorced again, which is not the case. It's much more complicated than that. So I really hope you don't allow that to make the decision for you. But then going back to this idea of... Um, all people have this or all men have this. I'm of course only hearing your side. I'm sure his account will be very different. So I'm trying to make sure I'm aware of that while we talk. But what you're describing is not an okay relationship. The amount of time he talks to her, you expressing you're not okay with it, him going to see her, all these these things are not normal or good or okay uh, and acceptable. And like I said, It could even be labeled an affair because of the relationship, how close you're describing it. We don't know if he's talking just to one person or what's going on, but it seems like it's far too close for him to be with someone. Especially the way you describe it, he's almost more close to her than he is to you. And that's a problem. And then that's the other issue, which is that although not every affair we can say for sure was caused by something or something lacking in the marriage, but very often we see this where There isn't a lot in the marriage and the person is getting something from outside the marriage. Now, sometimes some people don't want to be close to anyone. So it's not necessarily that something is wrong with the marriage, but that he doesn't want to be that close to you. And he would rather also be close to someone else because of that fear of intimacy or fear of being close with one person. But what you're describing is definitely not a healthy marriage. And what you're describing he's doing is not okay, because like I said, a a partner should always care what their husband or wife thinks, if they're really upset about their relationship, they should talk about it. And the reaction of you're just crazy, you're crazy, Uh, you should see a doctor because you're crazy. Anytime you bring up something you're not okay with, that just tells me he's not sensitive to your feelings or what you're going through at all. And that's not okay. And I think you know that you're not happy in this. um, But you're deciding to stick in it for reasons that are not even about what you want but maybe what you think people will think or, or whatever else um, but I think you know that this is not okay you don't feel okay at all in this
3: so I don't know that <laughs> I just feel like you know it's just it makes me so so sad that I'm sure I try to be the best I can for him and it bothers me that you know Instead of showing me love and attention and caring, he's on the phone and on his chatting or on a messenger. Mm-hmm. Even when he goes to work, sometimes, I'm, you know, checking my Facebook, I see him online. And I say, don't you work? Oh, no, when I go to the bathroom or when I go for a lunch, I chat with my friends. Yeah,
1: you know we're at a commercial break but I don't want to end with you just yet just hang on the line we'll talk a bit more after the break about some more of I want to see maybe what this relationship might be bringing up from you from your own past so think about that a little bit and we'll talk after the break okay thank you sure all right studio number 3104410555 we'll be right back back before the break, we're with the caller. Let's go back to her. Radio Hammer, are you still there? Hello?
3: Yes, Dr. Okay,
1: hi. So you were talking about um, your marriage, and you've been married six years, and you've said since about 2015, so for about three years, your husband's had a relationship that he calls a friendship that he thinks is okay but that you're not okay with, with someone online. And another thing is the way you even described is that he didn't tell you about this friendship until you in a way confronted him, right? Which is also another way of showing how probably this was not an okay relationship because another thing I talk about when we're looking at infidelity is if you would not tell your partner about what you're doing, either how you're acting or the relationship you have with someone, then that should tell you that it's not okay to have that relationship. That itself is a red flag to ourselves. But anyway, um, he seems very distant from you in general. And I'm wondering, from the beginning of the relationship, was he like that? Or did you see a big change in him?
3: Well, in the beginning, doctor, he was uh, different. For Uh maybe a year. After that, unfortunately, I got cancer. And then Mm. I was very sick. And... I needed a lot of help, but to be honest, I didn't get that much help anyway. From because, him? Uh, yes. Uh-huh. I was dealing everything with myself because I'm the kind of person, I never ask help for anything. I'd rather do it myself. Maybe if I would ask, he would help me, but I was the kind that I tried to just do everything by myself.
1: Now, I know you're, you're saying that as a sign of strength, and to some degree it can be, but this is this idea of independence being the best way to live where it's actually better for us to be interdependent, meaning that we can get help and rely on other people and they can rely on us. We don't have to always just be alone and do everything by ourselves, but even in how you described it, I think you take pride in that because probably from a young age you learned that you can't rely on other people, you can't count on them to be there so you have to do everything on your own does that resonate for you this feeling of uh, you couldn't count on people from a young age yes okay how how yes, is that true my problem. yeah
3: but the thing is you know sometimes he sees me that i have a hard time even moving because of the pain hmm. that i have But I feel like he should tell me, you know, do you want me to do something? Do you need something? Even some nights I cry and cry. And he doesn't even tell me what is wrong with you. So that's why I get up and do the things I have to do because I feel like, well, I don't want to disturb him. But most of the night, I guess he's afraid because in the morning he tells me, what happened? You didn't sleep all night. Hmm. but at least i wanted him to ask me so what is wrong with you do i can i help but
1: it doesn't happen And, and you're definitely right that we would expect our partner to check in on us to ask us how we're doing especially if we're crying or obviously in pain that that does make sense so you're you're that you know we talk about not having expectations but there's some things that are reasonable for us to expect from our partner that if they see us in pain, they have some kind of reaction and want to help. But at the same time, we also have to be aware of not assuming they're going to ask or waiting for them to ask us for what we want or to just give us what we want without us asking. Some of us can feel like we want our partners to be mind readers, that we want them to know what we want and to give it to us. And again, the feeling I'm getting from you is that you didn't get what you wanted from a young age, so you probably feel like you can't ask for what you want or what you need.
3: That's true. Maybe
1: that's true. So tell me a bit about your family or your parents and how you felt, especially when it comes to this, this feeling of getting your needs met, feeling like you can rely on people, that your needs and wants are important. How do you feel like your parents were in those regards?
3: I come from
1: a very big family,
3: doctor. We have like six kids, and uh-huh. it is too many kids. Yeah, it is. And my mom was always busy taking care of all of us. My dad was always busy bringing money to, you know, mm-hmm. so we can provide. Yeah. But uh, uh, I don't
1: know, doctor. Well, I mean, what I think, what you're describing? I mean, it makes sense. They weren't, you know, with six kids, they can't be. As available to all the kids as as much as the kids need and I'm sure you learned uh, from a young age that if I can first of all I can't rely on them and you also get this reinforcement from your parents that thank you for taking care of yourself by yourself and not needing anything so you get this feeling of pride or this good feeling from not needing someone and so It seems like you've internalized that. And then now even with your husband, as much as you do complain about it, so I get that it hurts you, but it seems like you've almost found someone who is going to reinforce that feeling that no one is going to be there for you, that you're on your own, that your needs and wants are not important to anyone else. You have to take care of them, but it hurts because it reinforces that feeling you had from before too. So, so often, unfortunately, we find someone who. Um, recreates or to recreate the pains of our past. And it seems like maybe you've done that with your husband now. You found someone unavailable who doesn't seem to have time for you or want to have time for you and who doesn't give you the attention or meet your needs in the way you'd want. But you also still stay in it because at some level, you probably feel like this is what you deserve or this is what life is like. And that's why when he says, you're crazy or you're the problem, part of you it seems like believes him or is not sure that you know what even though I don't like this maybe I'm wrong maybe I'm the problem you can't even trust your own feelings or how you what you want to be okay you make it so that he's right uh, that's
3: true doctor but you know when I the other day when I was really sad and I asked him so I, I guess I said that before when I asked him do you love this woman and what is it because Friendship is not like, why don't you show me some affection? Why don't you spend some time with me? Mm-hmm. Instead of every time I say, you know, uh, let's do something, you're tired, but you're not tired of going to the bedroom and just chat chat, or be a messenger. Oh, because, uh, I don't know, you know, these three things that you're, as I said, I'm crazy, and this is just imagination that I imagine things. It's nothing that's important to it it shouldn't be important to me that
1: why he's doing that well, the thing is it's not just that first of all, his relationship does seem like it's not okay anyway, and I don't think anyone would be okay with that in a relationship, but on top of that, forget about even him and her. you and him don't have a good relationship from what you've described, right? There's not a really much closeness or connection between you and him no. right
3: no, doctor. Right. Everything that I like, he doesn't like, and he eats different. And with all my problems, I ask him that the way you cook, I can have it. Then he gets upset, "No, don't listen to the doctors. They don't know anything. You need this and that. The things that the doctor told me though not touch. He wants me to eat, and then I don't eat it. He gets mad. That you don't like whatever I cook or I buy." And I say it's not that, but I have to see the problem that I have. I'm not a healthy
2: person, you know? Yeah,
1: it seems like he he has a hard time seeing someone else at all, or even existing. Like, he he only can see his, his own needs, the way you're describing it, or what he wants, and he gets offended if you don't like what he likes.
3: That's the that's it. He never goes out, have dinner in a restaurant or anything, because he thinks... The things that they put in the food in the restaurant, it's bad for health. So, but when he goes to his country, all the pictures that he sent me with all those ladies, they are in different restaurants. And I say, so what is wrong? Sometimes we go out, have fun. Oh, no, 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 you get sick, you get this, you get that. And that Mm -hmm. is the reason.
1: Well, yeah, but it doesn't seem like it has to do with you because he says, he. you say when the doctors say you shouldn't eat something, he still says you should eat it. Uh, it seems like he's, I, I'm still, you know, the question I asked before, I'll ask you again, what keeps you in this marriage? I, I don't, I'm not sure what, what it is. What do you like about him? What do you love about him?
3: Well, uh, the first marriage was the arranged marriage and I thought this one is the one that, Because completely, he is a completely different person. He really is. I can't even sometimes recognize him. We even have a problem when I tell him, honey, can you brush your teeth and come to bed because you ate garlic and this and that. And he tells me, no, I'm fine with it. Don't worry about it. And, you know, that is the simplest thing that I want him to do, and he doesn't do it.
1: When you said he's a different person, you mean from when you met him?
3: I'm sorry. You mother. you
1: said he's a completely different person. I don't know if you met from your first husband or from when you first met him.
3: Met him though. Okay.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. It, it seems like he's not maybe who you thought or who you you might have even been fooling yourself as to who he was. But now here you are and you're seeing what's in front of you. So it's up to you to make that choice. And each day, you're choosing to essentially remarry him, stay married with him, and now. He's showing you who he is. It's up to you to then decide what you want to do.
3: Yes, doctor. I guess I have to make the decision because to be honest, everything, like he is a healthy man and I have all the problems that you name it. When I get upset, my blood pressure goes to 200 hmm. and he tells me, don't worry, just go see a doctor. But I get that kind of problem because
1: i'm in stress all the time well i was gonna say you know even i'm your your health issues can't be helped by what you're experiencing in this relationship and so again i think you know what's happening but i think you're so used to suffering or being in this place that you're in right now that you're accepting it or you know even you know this is what this is what you have in front of you he's telling you I don't want to change. I don't think I need to change. You're the crazy one. And you're telling me you're very, very unhappy in this marriage that won't change. So it's in front of you now. You can't blame him anymore for the marriage because it's up to you of whether you want to stay in it or not. This is what he wants. This is the marriage he's looking for, apparently, because he's not saying he wants to work on the marriage from what you've told me. And so it's up to you what what you're going to decide to do now. But this is what it's, you know, there's no more. It's kind of like fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me. You know what's in front of you now. If you decide to stay in it, that's your choice. You can't blame him for your unhappiness in the marriage because you're choosing to stay in it.
3: Well, I got your point, doctor, and now I understand better. I really appreciate it. I love you and your dad because you helped so many people. I really well, appreciate everything so you do for you.
1: us. Well, it's a Thank it's a pleasure you. for me. I'm very happy I got to talk to you, and I hope you make make the choices that'll make you even more happy and take care of yourself.
3: Thank you so much, Doctor. My Thank pleasure. You. Nice
1: talking to you. Take care.
3: Bye. Thank
2: you.
1: All right, going into our next commercial break. Studio number three one zero four four one zero five five five. We'll be right back. Let's go to another caller. Radio Hamra, you're on the air. Yes. Hi, thanks for you calling.
4: Um, hello. Hello. Uh, you're talking to me? Yes,
1: I am. Thanks for calling.
4: Okay, okay. You're welcome. Thank you. Uh, actually, I have a question, doctor, uh, for my son, and I want to know what I have to do. I'm just really, like, tired and frustrated, you know? And uh, the, the story. I'm 53 years old. Uh, with, uh, my wife is 50 years old, and we came about 14 years the United States. And my son right now is 23 years old. And we don't understand each other. Um, actually, uh, we don't agree anything. I I don't I don't want to be have a power from him, but he do everything he wants, you know. And after a while, he said, oh, I, I did not say I'm sorry, or whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so right now, he have a lot of uh, debt on the credit cards. Like, he had, like, uh, three credit cards, and each of them, like, $6,000, 7000 But he just paid the minimum wage, the minimum uh like payment and but he he's working he's going to the college he's a Buddhist student mm-hmm. um, but he don't change, you know just he bought the car he spent all the money in his car and he never listened you know uh, so he had a girlfriend um, she's girlfriend like 35 years old she was and she was very rude Uh, very unpolite, Um, she came to my house and, you know, started cooking, walking around in my garage, everywhere, and I told my son, "No, this is our house, but actually it's my house too, so I back up from my work, I want to get rest, I don't want someone like just chasing around and walking around and... You know, mm-hmm. if she wanna come, just come, go in your room. That's it. Not everywhere. So I can't trust her. I have a money here, I have a, my wife's jewelry, my, I, I can't, you know? And uh, so, if you were in, like like, um, thinking about this relationship, you can move out. Or he said, no, we, I don't move out. I never, you, live, you guys live alone or whatever. Uh, so uh, this continued until my son decided to go to the Iran for vacation for like uh, one month and back. So he went over there and he took a picture with, my, with his cousin, couple of cousins. Uh, and so uh, this lady was very jealous and was very picky. Why are you talking? He might be talking to the other one. And Blah, blah, and, you know, why you took a picture with this bond? So is has is, is gone. So okay. so the uh, relationship is gone. But okay. right now, he finds another one. Mm-hmm. And all the same, you know, she's coming at my home, stay at the late time. And I said, you know, in my culture, so it's bothering me, you know. You can't stay like, at like 12, not more than that. So I'm not happy with this. But he don't care, you know?
1: Mm-hmm. And is I he wh- is he your only yes. child? Yes. Okay. Um, it seems like you guys haven't given him a lot of boundaries, like any limits. When it comes to, like, how much money he spends or things like that, it seems like he doesn't really get any limits from you guys.
4: Yeah, but he's working. Uh, I don't give him any money Oh, you anymore, don't give him you
1: know? any money. Okay. No. Okay.
4: Yeah, he working. He managed uh, three, four stores and uh, they he's going to the school and he has he has the money. But okay. he spend a lot, you know.
1: Yeah. Like, um and so what's his relationship like with his mom?
4: Oh well, actually the same.
1: Okay, what's it, the same?
4: Uh, it, yeah, the same as me, you know. It's mm-hmm. called my mom don't know nothing. She's stupid and, you know, she don't understand. She have an old culture and old thing. And uh, the 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 world is different now. Everything digital. Everything, like, you guys don't understand. You want to live like Iran or some whatever. You know, he talking like this.
1: hmm mm mm-hmm okay but when it comes to the limits in the house why don't you why can't you tell him you know we don't like having people over late at night or things like that
4: yeah we, we told okay. him, he, he's uh, first of all he said I, I, I agree I try but after like one day he's doing again you yeah know? but
1: it's not about try this is not something you need to try either you do it or you don't
4: so what I have to do?
1: Well, I mean, just tell him, you know, when he says, I try, say, no, it's not about try. It's really, this is something very important. And if you don't want to follow those rules, then we can't live together.
4: Yeah, I, I, I told him. Okay. But he never, yeah. One time, he just said, okay, I'm going to leave this house. I'm to go by myself. I said, okay, uh, that's works probably uh, easy for you, easy for me. Or for us, but he never, he never moved. You know, yeah. he just go out. After a couple hours, he back and he crying and he said, "Oh, I'm sorry. I'm a bad son. I know and whatever." So I, I, I want to say.
1: So when he's crying, you know it seems like he's having a hard time himself trying to... He's not very balanced himself, so I don't know exactly what's going on with him, and I don't want to give him a diagnosis or anything yet, but it seems like he's not in his own control. Does he have any issues with drugs or alcohol or anything else?
4: Uh, No, he don't have any uh, issue with alcohol or drugs. Okay. Uh, When when he he, he was, um, like, on the middle school or something... With a friend, uh, going uh, to the both uh, the cafeteria on the school and uh, rob some t-shirts and we on the formation.
1: Okay, because there's uh, some or, yeah, there's some issues of like impulse control, being able to control himself, which I can't say exactly what it is, but even there's some feeling of bipolar disorder and how you describe him out of control, spending too much, you know, and he has the kind of debt the the getting involved in these relationships with people that doesn't really make sense, you know, much older than him. Uh, it seems like there's something going on. Do you ever see him go through periods where he is very depressed for some period of time, very down?
4: No, no, he's happy with his friends. Okay. He, he, yeah, but just at home, he's not happy. Just all... all, all. And then I he at home just fighting mm-hmm. or you know or arguing or don't agree with anything or call mm-hmm. us stupid or whatever but with, with friends just laughing have a good time
1: okay but does he ever have periods of time where it seems like he doesn't need much sleep he's in a really good mood his self-confidence and self-esteem is really high do you ever see him like that no no okay
4: not really no
1: Okay. So it doesn't seem like maybe that's not what he's dealing with, some kind of bipolar there could be other things going on, even something like ADHD, where he's very mean you know, the way he's making decisions, it seems like he doesn't make good decisions out of his own control. But what I would say is if you're gonna make limits with him, if you tell him, for example, you can't have people over and if if not, you know, you have to move out, and then when he comes back and he cries to you, you know, when, when you have that conversation, you say, I know you're upset. But, you know, we, you really have to give us this level of respect in order for us to live together. Because sometimes yeah. how parents respond is they see their kid crying and they say, oh, no, it's okay, it's okay, because the kid's crying. No, we, no,
4: I don't. I okay, good. It, I told him never okay. Good. I said, you know, this is this is my way, and uh, it's not okay. So, but I what I can't do, you know, I can't... Uh, you know, tell him, oh, no, I don't want to be here. Go, go. No, but I don't say, okay, if you want to continue like this, you can't be here.
1: But then he does continue like that.
4: Yeah, he does, yes.
1: Right, so I'm saying, you know...
4: Right now, yeah, yeah right now, his girlfriend is not older than him. He, he, he. okay. Actually, he, he's not very bad girl. She's uh, very responsible. She's, uh, like, uh, she's great, Is good. She's going to, to college but you know but she she wants to hang uh, hanging out in my house like all the time every day you know
1: yeah so what do you and your wife tell your son about that you about saying okay we he, she can't be here this much
4: yeah i i told him i told him i don't like it you know
1: and he says i don't
4: like it he says i understand but uh, uh, the girls get upset because I go over there, stay at their home, get together with her uh, mom and her stepdad, and we have a lunch and dinner or whatever. So uh, he gets upset, and he put on the, his Facebook. I don't care, but it's bother me because uh, he put a relationship with blah blah. And right now, all my friends and family uh, call me and say, oh, congratulations, uh, because the culture, you know, the yeah. Iranian people culture. So this is the bother me. Well, and it shouldn't I bother you. People,
1: of... I mean, look, he's putting in a relationship. He didn't say he's married or engaged or anything. Yeah, but... that's
4: true. That, that's exactly my son says like that. Yeah. But this is a culture, you know? <laughs>
1: it's Yeah, it's a cultural thing. But also sometimes people, they ask those questions because they want to get information out of you. So it's not always just... You know they have curiosity. They want to congratulate you. Sometimes they're wondering what's going on. So I wouldn't Absolutely. worry too much about what the, the other people are saying. But it seems like your relationship with him is is an issue. Do you guys get along? Is there anything you and him enjoy together? Any closeness that yeah, you guys have?
4: like, be- like birthday, my birthday or wife, my wife's mom, she's mom's birthday, or uh, like some sometimes you go to some like somewhere, but not that much. You okay. know. Uh, if, if, for example, we go, for example, like Sibor, he, he wants to be, uh, like the girl with me, the, his girlfriend with me, or uh, some, uh, some of the friends with him. So okay. I told him, you know, when you are with your friends, so you are with friends, just be together, but you are with friends, not with mm-hmm. us. Uh,
1: Okay. Well, I mean, in his age, maybe he wants that. That's okay. I was just trying to see if there is anything positive in the relationship. But your main issue with him is, what's the main issue you have with him? The His girlfriend spending time at the house?
4: Yes. I, one of them, this. Well, yeah, the, the big problem is this, yeah.
1: Okay. And, and, it, and the
4: other one, the credit card issue, you know? just the payments you know right
1: but that's i guess All that's money. that's his issue right because you're saying he's not getting money from you yeah
4: that's true
1: okay so i would let him deal with that it's not your problem to deal with and don't try to bail him out it seems like he has more money to pay but he doesn't want to he wants to spend it and have fun i still have some concerns about how much he kind of just makes decisions in the moment like he doesn't think long term and so that's
4: he, like, making $500 per, per week.
1: $500 per week? Yes. Oh. Okay, I thought you said he was... has. I thought... The way you made it to I thought he was making more. Okay. Um, so he doesn't have a lot of money to spend back, but just the fact that he spent that much money on credit yeah, he cards... Yeah,
4: spent, he spent all the money to, to his car. you know? He changed this, he changed that, he changed this, he changed that. Right. And actually, his girlfriend going out by the dinner... Well, this land going to, like, whatever, you know? Yeah.
1: I mean, that's the thing. You know, he's 23, he's young, but I don't want to just say it's because he's young. It just seems like he's a little bit out of his own control. But you said in school he's doing okay. He's doing well?
4: Yeah, he's okay, yeah.
1: Okay. What does he study? Uh,
4: biomedical engineering.
1: Okay. Does he want to go into that field?
4: Yes.
1: Okay. Well, I mean, that that's good. as long he as long
4: He wants to be a brain searcher, but... After
1: that, he you change his mind. I don't know. he talk to someone. Hmm. You know, I, I just get this feeling of your son being a little bit out of his own control, and that's my concern, that sometimes he's not totally able to take care of that. It might not be a bad idea for him to see a psychologist or even a psychiatrist to get an idea of what's going on, but that's only if he wants to do that. Has he ever seen anyone, a psychologist or psychiatrist? No, I
4: told, her, I told him... If you want to go, we can go together. If you have any issue with me or you think I don't understand you or whatever, mm-hmm. we can talk to someone. But he always says yes, but he never comes.
1: Okay. Have you actually tried to make an appointment with someone?
4: Uh, I did, but, you know, just because my wife and I uh, believe, if you believe, we be very, like, comfort where we talk to Parsley. Yeah, and um, my son t- taught parts very well as well, but they are I live on San Diego, so they are very far from us. I see, and, you know, and uh, like they always excuse or we can't like make an appointment because the day off is different, you know.
1: Well, you know, I would say you don't. Ha- you know, you're communicating with me okay. I know it's better to communicate in the language you're most comfortable in, but. I would say even if you can see someone with him, if he's willing to go, go with him because we need to just get that process going. But, you know, the things that... When it comes to the money, like I said, I'm concerned about the way he makes decisions and if that means he has ADHD or some kind of... If it's some level of bipolar or even like hypomania. But Uh I have some concerns about that. But if he's, you know, taking care of his school... that's good and if the main issues are things like his girlfriends at the house you can just try to limit that so it's not black or white but just say can we make it a little bit less or can you respect let us know when she's coming or whatever else you might be okay with have that conversation with him and you know a lot of he's still an adolescent so he's going to have that mentality that mom and dad don't know anything they're old-fashioned they're stupid or whatever he might say and that's what a lot of teenagers can have and he still kind of has Eye a of teenage mindset yes, yes, he seems like he has Eye a teenage mindset so that's just something to be aware of but i hope you guys can go see someone with him to get that process going and let him figure out what's going on for him he's still young as long as he's meeting his responsibilities going to work and school it's not that worrisome but i can see that you're not okay so i hope you guys go talk to somebody about
4: that yeah i uh, i tell him now today i talked to you uh, can I make an appointment? Uh, I call actually your office and come to you guys.
1: Sure. Well, we can see. Yeah, I mean, my I only do uh, therapy in my practice in person, but you can call the the radio. You know, call the office of the radio station. Get the number. You know, we can even talk sure. off the air about that.
4: Sure. Uh, uh Sure. So, do you available on Saturday or?
1: Well, we can talk off the off the air. So just hang on the air. I'll talk off to you the during air, the commercial okay. break. Yeah. Okay.
4: Sure. 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 All oh, right. I'll nice talking to
1: you. Take care. Nice
4: talking to you. Thank you, doctor.
1: Sure. Bye bye. All right. Going into our next commercial break. You're listening to In Session with Doctor. Fadi Delacou. We will be right back. Welcome back. Let's go to another caller. Radio Hamra, you're on the air.
0: Uh, hello.
1: Hi, thanks for calling.
0: Thank you for talking with me. Sure. Uh, actually, I have a question. Um, I'm kind of like I'm not sure if my husband and I should consider having a kid or not. I'm not happy with uh, my family background. Uh, there are lots of like issues, like mentally, uh, in my my family. And there are, like, uh, small issues with my husband's family as well, but those are not, like, very big issues. Like, I know that they have, like, anger and, like, maybe depression in uh, his family. Uh-huh. But in my family, like, I have uh, one of my brothers. Actually, he committed suicide, like, uh-huh. when he was very young, and we loved him. And also my another brother, so my brothers actually are younger than me, like, seven years, eight years younger than me. And the other one, actually, uh, he is in the United States. I sent him an invitation to for him to come here because he wanted to do so. And um, yeah, he's here, and um, he had some issues uh, when he was back home, but uh, since he's living uh, alone here, um, there are like some big issues with him. Uh, like I think he has some sort of paranoia uh like when he was like younger like he was teenager um uh like uh we knew that he had like he had some some symptoms of uh having bipolar but uh it's getting worse and worse here mm-hmm. and uh, yeah so and also my mother so i think i'm not sure um uh, your mother what, is,
1: what does your mother have or what do you think she has uh
0: i I think she has, like, kind of uh, borderline disorder. She doesn't have, like, any limits or, like, no one can can control her. So we had actually very hard childhood because she she would do anything she would like. And, like, she could just easily go into a fight with someone, just screaming, crying, like, anything. And I know that... Sometimes she visited some like doctors, and um, they told actually that she has also also bipolar. But I yeah. think she's like more than that. Okay. So yeah. So the thing is that so my husband and I we are like we actually we came here, we came here for our PhDs, and then we met here. And right now both of us are like uh, faculty. We are assistant professors, and we have a nice life here. We are kind of enjoying our life. It's like two years that we are living together. We have been together actually for five or six years, but we have been long distance. And now we are living together after we got the faculty positions here. And uh, so we haven't always like spoken about having kids. And actually the bad thing is that my husband doesn't know much about my family background. At that time that we met, I didn't know that I should be like, uh, I should talk about that. And it was really hard for me to talk about my brother and the one that actually committed suicide he he doesn't even know that he doesn't know that
1: your brother committed suicide no
0: unfortunately well i
1: I, I mean you say unfortunately as if it's outside of your control but that's something that you you have the power over if you want to tell him i think you to me you definitely should because that's i'm sure it was incredibly painful experience for you but also an important one in your background And I think he should know about your family and and what's going on as you should know about his um, Mm -hmm. because that's very important to know. So whether or not you guys want to have kids, I would say these conversations would be good to have. Um, But maybe the idea of kids can be the motivation for you to have these conversations with him. Why do you think you didn't tell him about your, your brother or these and I know they are hard things to talk about, so I don't want to feel like I'm pressuring you that you should uh, say something. No,
0: so no. no, that's fine. Actually, these days, like, I'm feeling much better. I'm feeling much more comfortable to talk about this. Okay, good. But, like, uh, this thing happened, like, eight or nine years ago. Actually, right before I left the country for my PhD program. And even, like, that time, my family was not talking about that. Like, all of our relatives and friends, yeah. they didn't say that. Like no one knew about that, and we 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 told every actually my family, my mother told everyone that uh she he had an accident, mm. so it's yeah, it remained with me, and when I was talking with my brother, I just said that like for years and years when i was in when I was in here, so I actually could open up here because my family was not here, but mm-hmm. I didn't have that feeling to talk about that. And then it remains with me, like till like I can say, like two years ago, two years ago, I uh, I saw some like uh, I I have been like seeing some people helping me with that, uh, my psychologist, and mm. uh, so yeah, I feel much better to talk oh, about good. that now. And even I started like telling that and like other things to my close friends, but I never had that thing. I'm not in that point to talk with my husband about that.
1: So what do you, and I'm glad you've, it seems like you've had a lot of growth and it, you know, it's been a process for you. What, what is your fear or concern of telling your husband about it? Um,
0: I can't say, I, I don't have that much fear right now. And even I talked about, like, I started talking about my mother and, um, I think I'm in that path now, so it couldn't Uh be, right now it's not that hard to talk about that. If I think, if you think it's necessary, I can go ahead with
1: that. Well, I mean, I don't want to make the decision for you, I just want to understand, and even for yourself, what do you, what are you, when I said fear, it's not like, uh, you know, it maybe does sound like a strong word, but there's something that's keeping you from telling him. I'm wondering if you can get a hold of what that is, if it's how he's going to react. If you're worried, he's going to judge you or your family. What, what are you worried about?
0: No, I wouldn't think that he's going to judge me because at this point, uh, we are we are happy together. Mm-hmm. I think so. We are. We have been like I know him like for six or six, six years actually, and we had we were apart like for a good part of that, like for four years, and then when we when I moved together with him and I got this position and I moved to he I moved here. Uh, and we had, like, some issues, like, for several months. And it was mostly because of my brother. And I really had, like, issues, like, dealing with my brother. I was, like, in touch with him, like, daily, day in, on a day-by-day basis. And, like, he he had, like, issues, like, every day. And he's not living a normal life. And then when, when I had the talk with my psychologist, and she asked me to just, stop talking with me and just to be completely um and to to be not not to be in touch with him mm-hmm. and I have started doing that, and right now I still help him like financially or anything if just in case if my my father wants me to do that I'm not in touch with him like directly it was very hard for me to do that because i really feel i really feel like sad about him, and because what happened to the other brother, hmm. and I always have the fear that something might happen to, yeah. to, to, this, to, this, to, to to my brother who is living in here, but I kind of managed that, and right after that, that I'm not talking with him, and I'm just uh, in touch with him through my father, I feel much better, and yeah. then I got a better, like, connection with my husband as well. So, at this moment, I can say that I don't have any fear to tell him okay. that.
1: Good. And you know, another thing I wanted to mention, what your family went through of, of, um, and I'm very sad to hear about your brother's suicide, that must have been so difficult for your whole family. Uh, But very often, lots of families, but especially Iranian families, think that it's going to be shameful, or they have to hide that it was a suicide. And unfortunately, that can make the suffering even worse, because it could get in the way of the natural grieving that you have to go through because of the lies and the hiding and things you go through and this feeling that we shouldn't talk about it makes it a lot harder for people to actually grieve so unfortunately what you went through in your family is what a lot of families deal with where they hide the cause of death or they make up a story or something else and because of that they don't really get to heal in a good way and they always feel like they're hiding something so I think definitely for you, I'm glad you've been going to therapy and you've noticed these changes that you've been going through about this situation, but I'm sure the fact that your family made it taboo made it harder for you to get over or to deal with the death of your brother, which of course is going to be incredibly difficult anyway, but it makes it even harder when you have to hide things or feel like we can't talk about this. And that's probably why with your husband, you also felt like I shouldn't talk about this. I shouldn't bring it up to him at some level. Because when I ask you what you're worried about or afraid of, it's hard for you to think of what, but there had to have been something and maybe just this idea that this is not something we tell people. But with your husband, I would hope that he knows the pains and the really secrets of your family because he should be the closest person to you, just like you should be for him. And that level of openness and vulnerability is really important to create a strong and, and healthy relationship together. So I'm glad you're going to therapy to explore that further too. But it seems like there's something you were worried about, about telling him again, either you said it wasn't about him judging, maybe it's about his reaction to it, or that he couldn't handle it, or maybe it would make him sad. Or maybe it was too hard for you to open up to him. Because you knew if you'd start talking about it, maybe it makes you emotional. And that wasn't easy. Do any of those make sense? Do you think it could have been any of those things?
0: Yeah, actually, it might be, or actually, I kind of think it might be because I kept lying to him, like, for six years. Mm. It's kind of hard to just say, okay, I was lying to you, like, uh-huh. for six years. Yeah, yeah. But I kind of think that he understands if I tell sure. him why I was lying yeah. for such a long time. But, but, and it just started, like, right. since my mother, my my, 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 my brother, like, uh, lost his, his life, and it started, like from that
1: point so what did you tell him uh
0: just let my family actually keep. I think my family keeps saying that that uh, he has been involved in an accident
1: I see so you said my my brother died eight nine years ago from an accident yeah I see okay yeah, yeah and I that what you said makes some uh, makes me understand it a little bit better that because you started it off with the lie you felt that you couldn't go back and tell him now I've been lying for this time but I think I hope he would be understanding and you'd have to explain to him and that's why it's good for you to understand even more why you felt it was so hard to tell him in the first place so he really gets um, and you explained some of it to me but to really so he so he knows and I think he will hopefully be understanding about that and it's important for you and i hope you have that conversation with them now we're at a commercial break and we're going into the last segment and i know you asked about becoming parents and i want to get to that too and i feel like we got we got one a little bit off track but i'm glad we talked about these things so just hang online we'll talk after the break okay
0: sure thank you all right
1: you're listening to in session with dr Fatty Delock. we will be right back back before the break we were with a caller let's go back to her now caller are you still there yes okay so um you know before you called asking about having kids and uh we kind of were talking about how you uh, unfortunately your brother had um, took his own life about eight nine years ago and you hadn't talked to your husband about that and i really hope you will again only once you feel comfortable but take that step to talk to him about that very often even in our most close relationships, people keep very uh, big things in their past because we think we might get judged by them. Maybe that's not the case for you, and I hope that's not, but I've seen it so many times that will either get judged or it'll look bad on our family in some way, but suicide is a very sad thing, but unfortunately, it's one that affects many people, so um, if it happens to our family, it's very sad, but it's not something that needs to be hidden, and the more open we can actually talk about it the easier it becomes for us to heal from that loss and the more we keep things taboo and secretive the more we suffer and the harder it is to go through that grieving process uh, but i wanted to come back to your concern about having kids in general you mentioned family background is one of your concerns is there anything else that that is uh keeping you from thinking you guys should have kids
0: um that's and uh, neither I nor my husband—we have not been like we should have kids. And since uh, like uh, two years ago that uh, we are uh, living together, we have had this discussion, and we are like so so. And uh, like sometimes we say, you no, know, we are enjoying our lives. We are like traveling much, and uh, it's it's going on very well. So why we should bother to have kids? <laughs> but. Uh, but now that uh, as time passes, uh we're kind of actually we' are kind kind of uh, going towards like having kids like the other day like uh the other day, my husband said, uh okay, maybe next year that you're gonna have have kids, you can just like have it like teach an online course and then he said uh, sh- am I going to have kids like are are we going to have kids like next year?" And he said, uh, I thought you said that you're going to have kids. And I said, no, I don't want. And then I asked him if he wants. And he was like, no, I I don't care, too. Hmm. But, like, it's like that. But I think, like, I don't know what is going on. If we really want kids or if we don't. And it's like if I make my mind and if I say, okay, let's have kids, he's like, okay, let's have kids.
1: Well, you should both... Uh, let me ask you another question before we continue. How old are you and how old is he? Uh,
0: 36 and 37.
1: Okay. So the window for having kids is, is also mm-hmm. getting smaller. Um, so that's something to keep in mind. But, um, you know, having kids is something we shouldn't just kind of be okay with or think, okay, it's not a bad time. We should really want to have a kid. So... Before, people felt that you have to have kids, and that's the only reason of being, you know, if you get married, you have to have that. But we don't want people to have kids if they don't want to have kids just like people shouldn't get married if they don't want to get married. There isn't this we have to. So I hope you only have a child if both of you really, really want to have a kid and have a strong desire for that. Now, one thing I'll also mention is you described your childhood as very painful, Mm -hmm. And very often people who've had painful childhoods don't have a desire to have children because it's almost like we don't want to bring a kid to experience that again, experience what we went through. And so I'm glad you're going to therapy because maybe that can help you deal with some of the pains of the past and that might change your desire for having a kid, make it stronger. It might not affect that. But I hope you and your husband, again, this is another place where it seems like you guys haven't talked enough about why don't you want a kid or why would you want a kid or what was his childhood like what was your childhood like and really opening up these discussions i think will be important for you guys both just in general for your marriage and your relationship but also in this uh discussion about having kids or not have you told him much about how painful your childhood was uh, yeah yeah oh. and i know that uh,
0: he doesn't have like a a very happy child too, because uh, he, his father, like he's he's very angry most of the time, and he doesn't take stuff very easily. So I know that uh, yeah, he told me that uh, he keeps actually telling that he's, he he didn't have like very happy life.
1: Okay, and so when it comes to having kid, how much do you do you want to have a child? Is it something that you feel like you definitely want to have in your life?
0: I like see since like several months ago, I kind of feel like very pleasant about like having kids, or like when I see a kid like I feel something mm-hmm. and yeah, I'm kind of getting to that point that i'm I like having kids,
1: okay and but and you feel like for him it's more that if you want it, he'll go along with it,
0: yeah, it seems like that, and sometimes. I think sometimes he says no because it's like too much responsibility and then we cannot travel, things like that. But I know these are not like good reasons.
1: (laughs) Well, they're not necessarily good reasons, but the person has to be willing to live a life where this new being that you're bringing into the world is going to be the focus of your life. And yeah, it's not that you can never travel, but life does change and you have to be ready to have that change and to sacrifice and for it to not feel like a sacrifice because you feel like what you're getting is greater than what you're giving up. But if someone feels like, Oh, I'm going to miss my traveling too much. I don't want to have a kid. Then maybe they don't really want to have a kid. So I think you and him need to talk some more about what is it that makes you want to have a kid, what your fears are and same for him. And we have to be ready that just like getting married, where even if we're in a really good situation with a, with a good partner, we might never feel 100% or you never will feel 100%. Having kids can feel the same way. So we definitely want to make sure we want kids very badly and that you should both feel. But then also just because we have some fear or anxiety about it doesn't mean we necessarily shouldn't. Because it's a big step. It's scary. Life changes. It brings up a bunch of issues about our own childhood and past, which can be hard to face. It brings up issues of, can I be a good father or mother, and how is that going to be? So a lot of these types of emotions are going to come up, too. So I hope you guys can have more conversations, just in general, because how you're talking to me, I'm sure you guys communicate a lot, but it seems like there's not there's a lot of topics you guys don't get into too much, getting deeper with each other about what you feel and what you've experienced, and that's very important. Mm You
0: are right. And uh so one question for him is, is that, like, having the my family background in yeah. mind, can I even talk, like, can I even think about, like, having kids or it's, like, something that...
1: Well, yeah, that's, I, and I know that was the initial question, and I have it. you know, I wanted to make sure we did talk about that. To me, I mean, from his side, especially, you know, some anger and depression, that's going to be in every family we have. Something. You know, there's mental mm-hmm. illness. Uh, even some reports say about 50% of people at some point in their life will have a mental illness or experience something like a mental illness. So it, there's going to be something there. From your side, definitely there's more. Um, the potential bipolar, your brother, whether he was depressed or I don't know what else was going on. I think, you know, your age also is a consideration. So we have to be concerned about that. So I would meet with a doctor and look into that. I don't want to make that decision for you because we don't know what's going to happen with your children, but I wouldn't say definitely don't have a child mm-hmm. with your background. That that would be my mm-hmm. opinion. But I think it would be good if you want, you can meet with a, a doctor, a genetic counselor, and look at the potential risks that you guys have um, if you guys want to have your own child. But I wouldn't say what you're describing to me that you definitely should not have a kid. Okay, got it. Yeah. But I really hope you guys have those those conversations. That's really important. Sure,
0: sure. I will go for that. Good, good. Thank you so much. Sure, Thank so nice talking to you.
1: My pleasure. Take care.
0: Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
1: All right, really enjoyed talking to her and wish them the best in whatever they decide to do. Um, we just have a few minutes left, so I apologize to people on hold, but um, just wanted to talk about what we mentioned or what I mentioned with her. It actually relates to the seminar I'm doing May 20th. At the Olympic Collection, on communication for parents and for relationships, um, and this idea of communication, we talk a lot about techniques, and I'll focus a bit on that in the seminar. You know, for example, using I statements, or the way we say things, or making sure we don't say things, for example, that are disrespectful or um, criticizing our partner in a global way, and it's better to use a complaint, something specific. But there's also bigger picture things of the attitude of how we communicate and how open we are with one another. And those aren't about specific techniques per se, but more about how willing we are to be vulnerable with our partner. How much am I willing to be open with my partner sharing weaknesses, sharing things that maybe I don't feel so good about myself. Or not worrying that what I say might make my partner sad as far as what I'm experiencing or feeling. Very often, especially if people have experienced in their own childhood, that their family avoided sad feelings or that their parents got very sad. If they got sad, they feel like, well, I can't tell my partner about this because if I share the story, he or she might cry or become upset about it. So why should I do that? Why should I bring down their mood? But when we're in close relationships, part of what makes us close is the openness and actually sharing of the pain that we have. Just sharing the pleasant things, that's nice, but it doesn't make for a lot of closeness. If you think of anyone that you feel very close to, almost definitely you or both of you have opened up and shared some painful feelings, have cried to each other, have even got maybe upset with each other, but you've been open and shared those parts of yourself that weren't always so pleasant and nice. And that's actually what creates, or is part of what creates the closeness. So if you have a marriage, you can have things be okay and that you're not fighting very much. And this is something that um, people in relationships can get, I don't want to say wrong, but this misconception that, well, we're not fighting, so everything's okay. But sometimes we're not fighting, or maybe let me say it this way first. Not fighting is one part, and again, it's not about not fighting at all, but if you're not having bad fights, that's good. But it's not the only indication of the strength of your marriage. What's very important is how deeply connected you are, the quality of the friendship and the closeness that you have. So it's the lack of the negative is good, but we also have to have the positive there, the closeness and the connection. And that only happens when we're willing to open up to one another, to be close. So I've seen couples where they've been married a long time and still their relationship is very much at the surface. Things can be nice and pleasant, but neither one of them is really opening up and it becomes the culture of the relationship that we don't get that deep or we don't get that emotional with each other. We keep things on this nice surface level often because they're afraid of intimacy, afraid of those feelings, but something is holding them back. So we want to make sure in our relationships we are willing to go there because it's the only way we can get really close is if we're willing to be open, talk about things that maybe aren't easy to talk about. We have to have uncomfortable conversations in order to keep a relationship okay, to keep it healthy, to remove the debris that builds up from the different experiences we have together and what we bring from our past. We have to have uncomfortable conversations and we have to have them regularly in order to maintain a healthy and happy relationship. So I'm happy she called and, you know, there's a lot of issues she brought up, but that sharing of her past, I really hope she will do that. And for all of you listening also that we keep in mind, whoever you're with, we want to make sure they know what has gone on for us. Those important things, those painful memories, that's how they really will get to know us if we share those things. And when they love us, despite showing them those parts that we maybe think aren't so nice or pretty, or positive that's when we'll really feel loved when we know that someone truly sees all of us and loves us with everything that we have and everything that we are all right that's the end of today's show thank you to all the callers and the listeners and to Ramon here in the studio you've been listening to In Session with Dr. Fadi Delaqui have a wonderful day